Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you are fed up with the mega bank experience, and if you're at one of those banks, computer-generated voices, and you cannot speak to a live person if your life depended on it, because they won't let you. If you want a better experience for your business in terms of dealing with your bank, go to renaissancebank.com and find one of their local offices and start the conversation by giving them a call. Five people actually answer the phone. Imagine that's your first sign that you're on your way to a better banking experience for your business. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Paul Simon. Paul is with Hedgepath Heredia, a partner there. Paul, welcome. Thank you uh, very much for having me on. Yeah, great to have you. Let's talk about you and how you're serving folks. Sure, thank you. First off, I, I want to apologize for everyone who heard Paul Simon and thought it was the singer, <laughs> Paul Simon. That's, That's not right. me. That's Everybody not got me. their hopes up. And Since, that, yeah. when, when I was in middle school all the way through graduation, our principal, who was also our football coach, yes. would sing the few opening lines of Kodachrome uh-huh. to me. He uh-huh. thought it was hilarious, and he's a football coach. What am I going to do? I have to laugh along with him. Mm-hmm. So, oh. Exactly. Thank you for having me on. Sure. I'm a partner at Hedgepetheredia. Mm-hmm. I'm a family law attorney. We practice in all areas of domestic relations. So that's divorce, modifications of custody, child support, alimony, step-parent adoptions, post-nups, prenups. Partition actions is something I've added to my practice recently where two unmarried persons mm-hmm. own a piece of property together, and one person wants out of that property and there's a whole mechanism to do it. Mm. But yeah, that's a, our primary focus is family law. Got it. I always love when I have a, a, an attorney like you on the show talking about your journey, because when you come out of law school or when you're in, in, in law school and you're thinking about which direction you're going to go, there are a lot of different ways you can go with law and they're as varied as the human experience almost. Why family law for you? Why did you end up there? I, I knew I wanted to be in litigation. I knew I wanted to be a trial attorney. I've always been a competitor. I like to compete mm-hmm. and the body just isn't up to playing football or any sort of competitive sports anymore. And I'm terrible at golf, I still play, but I'm terrible at golf. So this was really an outlet for me to utilize the skills that I have in a competitive format, but also help people at the same time. I do believe that when you have certain innate skills that you should use those skills to help people to the extent you can. So when I get out of law school, I took, I take the bar and then after that, you got to find a job. And so I'm interviewing people doing these informational interviews, also known as, Hey, please get, please like me and give me a job. Right. <laughs> you're meeting, I met with commercial litigators, personal injury attorneys. If they did any sort of litigation, I went and met with them because mm-hmm. I wanted to understand what their day to day was like. And I met with some family law attorneys, people who are friends of mine to this day mm. and the stories they had showed how challenging the practice was. Mm-hmm. And that attracted me because challenges are, you're never bored when you're in a challenging practice area. Yeah. And every family law attorney, every single one 
will have at least one story where you've done something objectively good. Not just dividing up pots and pans. That's the adage, right? That's the old stereotype. But something you can lean on and say, this was good. No one can disagree with this. Mm. So I have a couple of those stories. And whenever you have a tough day at the office, you think back to, okay, I've done some things which I'm proud of. And I have no qualms with it. it it's just good. It's, it was just a good thing. The right people were positively impacted and I played a role in that. So that, that's what keeps me going. Yeah. That's, that's a great reason. But you, how long have you been in family law now? My entire career. So I graduated law school in 2013. Okay. Passed the bar on the first try. Thank goodness. Yeah. Licensed in 2013. And I think I started working. No, I started working at a family law firm February, 2014. So we're coming up on 10 years. Oh, wow. Consistent family law. Good for you. Congratulations on that. I'm just curious because this is a value, a value that good family law attorneys give to their clients. How do you keep your head about you? Right? Because this is a highly emotional, not that business litigation doesn't get emotional. It sure does too, but we see that every day, but family law is certainly emotion is probably the number one word you could think of when you think about family law. Right. And how do you keep your head about you while everyone else is, I guess, off the deep end. It's a delicate balance Mm -hmm. when you are in such an emotionally charged environment. Attorneys are not only your advocate, but they're also your counselor. Mm -hmm. So it's a dual obligation. Mm -hmm. Forward facing, I am fighting for your interests. Full net stop. Internally, we are having logical, rational discussions based upon the facts as we know them to be. Mm -hmm. I do not, how do I say this? I do not just take a position because my client says that's the position they want to take. I make it very clear in any initial consultation that I am your agent. I will do as you instruct, but you have to understand that there are limits because ultimately I can't lose credibility Mm -hmm. because I am the forward face. I am the credibility that's on the line for my client. Right. And if I put something out there that just isn't supported by the facts can be immediately contradicted by documents or is just to some extent outrageous, it's going to cause me to lose face. And if I lose face when I'm talking to a judge or to a jury or to opposing counsel or any sort of expert, that's going to negatively impact my client. Yeah. So it's a very delicate balance, but It also takes time because when you're young and you're in it and you're a little overwhelmed, you can get wrapped up in people's emotions. Sure. It takes time. It takes experience to understand how to appropriately divide that balance. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And something tells me they don't teach you that in law school. Just the, Maintaining some emotional distance, I guess, with your cases. You have to be able to compartmentalize. Yeah. You have to be able to compartmentalize. And it is to your benefit to have, frankly, an advanced level of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Because you have to be able to read people and understand, okay, this really needs some attention. We need to get on a phone and talk this through. And there are times where you have to say, this is important. We have two, three other things that are on the front burner that we really need to take care of. 
and I need your help to take care of this. Family law is a practice that I think is unique compared to other areas of litigation where I can't do my job successfully without the client's participation. Mm. Is that gathering documents? Is that answering questions? Is that as simple as being at a hearing or at a status conference? Yes and yes. It is so much interpersonal communication, not only with the client, but also with staff and with the courts and with experts and with the client's accountants, with their family. Mm -hmm. You have to be patient. And then you also have to know where to draw the line Mm -hmm. because if it gets too personal and you get too wrapped up, you lose your objective perspective. And the entire point of this is to not only be an advocate, but to effectively counsel. And if it's too much, I'm your friend, I agree with you, full stop, everything you say, you're not doing your job. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Paul Simon is with us, folks. He's a partner with Hedgepath Heredia. Paul, let's. there are several different issues here I'd love to touch on as we go along, custody, child support alimony, what have you, but let's just back up and look at the big picture. And I want you to clear up the biggest misconceptions that you hear from clients or others (laughs) that they have about, uh, family law, divorce, custody, what have you, what are are those big misconceptions Two immediately come to mind? Okay. The first is that fathers never get custody. That is simply not true. Custody is determined based on the best interest standard. What custodial arrangement is in a child's best interest? There is no preference anymore. There used to be. There is no preference anymore between mother or father. It comes down to the parent. It comes down to that parent's ability to effectively parent, to effectively co-parent. Who has understanding and knowledge of the child's needs? Who's more actively participated in the child's life? Are there areas where this parent is stronger than the other parent? Mm-hmm. It is not an automatic mom gets custody, period. And there's a lot of times where male clients will come in and say, I know I'm not getting custody. It's just simply not true. And they become dejected. They accept that before we even meet. Mm-hmm. And you have to, I don't like the word reprogram, but that's what it is. Mm. Because when you give them the actual truth of it, the actual law of it, you have to start over a little bit and talk about what the concepts of custody are. So that's a big one. The other one is that marital assets are automatically divided 50-50. So there's equitable division states and community property states. Those terms are pretty familiar, I think. Mm -hmm. Community property, 50-50, marital assets, full stop. Georgia is an equitable division state. Equitable doesn't mean equal. It means fair. What division of assets is going to be fair to the parties? Does one party have a higher earning ability than the other? Does one party need to go back to school? Can one party afford the home that they're living in? Are they going to have custody of the children? Does one party need more cash than retirement investments where they're going to have tax penalties? Mm -hmm. It is a pretty complicated calculus. And obviously the bigger, the the larger the estate, the more complicated it becomes, but you have to take these things to consider. You have to tax impact things because if there's a family that doesn't have a lot of cash, but they have a ton of retirement accounts, 
hundred thousand from a four hundred one k is not a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, because you right. got to think about the tax impact. Sure, it. those are the two biggest. Yeah, got it. So you mentioned custody, mm-hmm. legal versus physical custody. That's part of the misconception too. There, right? So you nailed it. There are two types of custody legal custody and physical custody. So legal custody is a parent's right to access records, to talk to teachers, to talk to doctors, to have full access to all of a child's goings on. Okay. In Georgia, we have sole legal custody and joint legal custody, sole legal custody. One parent gets to make all the decisions full stop. Joint legal custody is more complicated. It requires the parties to cooperate with each other and discuss decisions in good faith Mm -hmm. before they make a decision. Mm -hmm. And your listeners are probably thinking, what, we're going to talk about what the kid's having for dinner tonight? No. Mm -hmm. There are four main areas of decision-making. Education, non-emergency medical, religious, and extracurricular activities. For each of those categories, when parents elect joint legal custody, there has to be a decision-maker. And that's where it comes in. What we, what I mentioned earlier, does a, a parent have expertise or more familiarity with something? Mm -hmm. So if one parent is a medical professional, maybe it makes sense for this parent to have non-emergency medical. Mm -hmm. If one parent's a teacher, maybe it makes more sense for this parent to have educational final decision-making regardless of what the custody, the actual physical custody and parenting time schedule is just because they are more familiar with that line of practice. Extracurricular activities are often pretty complicated because you're asking me my opinion. Kids may be a little bit overscheduled these days, but <laughs> I couldn't agree more. But anyway, that's another there, show. That's another, another, that's day. another show. Yeah. There's so much running around and you <laughs> right. have a parent who wants a child to play basketball. You have a parent who wants a child to do piano lessons and they conflict. What do we do? So that gets complicated and religion as we become a more secular Mm -hmm. society, the, not the default per se, but a very common thing we do is say, Hey, everybody can choose the religious practices in their house. Right. If you have a Jewish couple, child's going to be raised Jewish. Mm -hmm. If you have a Christian couple, child's going to be raised Christian. As long as there's something, as long as there's nothing that's really extreme and outside the norm, we rarely see disagreements on that point, Mm. but it has to be in there. Physical custody is exactly what it sounds like. Who has physical possession of the child mm-hmm. at any given moment? Mm. There's joint physical custody, which contemplates a nearly or exactly 50-50 arrangement. There's sole physical custody. And a lot of people will come to me and say, I want sole custody. I'm like, okay, do you know what sole custody means? Sole physical custody is defined in Georgia as a parenting time schedule that people will classically see in one parent will have the children most of the time. And then you have weekend parent. Mm-hmm. Okay. The fact that it's called sole physical custody is, as you can imagine, not highly favored by parents. So while it is legally accurate, what family law attorneys have done with the understanding that parents do not like having a soul in their agreement and the fact that, of the time, these documents are going to be public record and people have a notion that their children may want to go look at the divorce documents. Mm -hmm. We have created a joint physical custody with a primary physical custodian and a secondary physical custodian, which essentially operates the same way as sole physical custody, where there is a primary parent, primary, Mm -hmm. 
who has the majority of the time. And then the secondary parent, again, secondary, will have the sort of standard rotating parenting time. Got it. Now, when when you are, when a client comes in and they've got their own idea about what the way things should turn out, it's fair to say that's not going to happen. Unless there's some really significant thing going on with the other soon to be ex spouse, right? That this the way this the process is set up is it's aimed toward compromise in some form or fashion. Is that a fair way to say it? I haven't seen the latest numbers, but I think it's something like ninety seven percent of domestic family law cases resolve without a hearing. Mm-hmm. Mediation, you know, even the push of having a trial coming up right. will push people towards resolution. Right. People will come in with their own ideas and that's fine. Let's hear them out. Let's see if what we can grow, what we can build. But the internet doesn't help us that much because there are a lot of free resources written by people who may not practice in Georgia, who may have experienced a family law issue. And that's how they understand it to be. These websites, blogs, Reddit posts. You mean Google and Google is not a helpful firm to consult? I'm I'm, I'm shocked at that. I didn't say Google. In case they're listening, (laughs) I I didn't say Google. I did. That was John. That wasn't me. So you you hear them out and you try and build on the concepts they have and where there may not be a full understanding of what the concept is, you explain it. In consultations, I explain, I I do my best anyway to explain the concepts involved. Just as we were talking about legal custody and physical custody, that's more or less what I tell clients when Mm -hmm. we have a custody thing, when we have a custody issue. So you hear the facts, figure out where it fits, where the pieces fit in the puzzle. And then you have to say, so I understand you said this, you think this, let me help you further that understanding. Yeah. Child support. Let's cover that real quick. It's what's the idea behind it and how's it calculated? So the idea of child support is actually a pretty nice idea. Some people think it's a punishment. Some people think, oh, my, my, the other parent earns money. Why do I have to pay child support? The purpose of child support is for the party receiving child support to be able to provide a child the lifestyle they would have had if the parties were still living together. Mm -hmm. Very noble thing. Some people think it's calculated as a percentage of your income. No. Basically, Georgia has given us an Excel spreadsheet. It really used to be an Excel spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. Now it's all online. Mm. You plug in gross monthly incomes for both parties. You plug in health insurance costs for the child, their their portion of the premium, work-related childcare costs, and out kind of pops a number. Mm -hmm. You can take that number and you can insert deviations, right? It's Schedule E deviation. And there are a number of deviations. I presented on this topic before. I know way too much about it. For example... There could be a travel deviation. If we have a parent living in Texas, the child is living in Alpharetta, and the parent in Texas is flying in to see the child. There's an argument to be made that the cost of those flights should be deducted from the final amount of child support or the presumptive amount of child support. Mm -hmm. There are deductions for maintaining vision and dental insurance. There are deductions for you name it, mm-hmm. for alimony paid, paying the mortgage. Those are those two are very rare. There is a high income deviation. 
where if the cumulative gross income of the parties is 30,000 or more, a judge can order that the presumptive amount of child support actually go up because of this concept that the child should have the same lifestyle they would have if the parents were living together. And the child support worksheet at some point tops out mm. with this calculation. It's numbers and numbers in and of themselves can be viewed in different ways, but sure. ultimately it is an Excel spreadsheet that pops out a number. So it's pretty straightforward and it, and it, it's not really a matter of two parties agreeing or something like that. It's, I guess it is to some extent, but it's really, there, there's, there are pretty set ways to calculate it as dictated by the court. The more complicated someone's income stream becomes, the more complicated it gets. Mm -hmm. If you have two W-2 employees, easy. Yeah. If you have someone who has a W-2, a K-1, and then 1099s, it gets a little bit more complicated because do you tax impact that 1099 income? When you have someone who is, who's been unemployed as part of the marriage, staying home, take care of the kids for whatever reason, how much could they possibly earn when post-divorce? What's their educational background? What's their employment background? Much of the debate, as it were, when it comes to a case with child support is what are the party's incomes? If you can get there negotiating on the party's incomes, it flows from there. Yeah. But that's always the toughest part of it. Looking at extracurricular costs, health insurance premiums, work-related child care, that's just exchanging documents right there. But if there's a fundamental disagreement on what someone earns, for example, if you have someone who owns their own business, right, and they're paying themselves a salary, and then they have their end-of-year P&L, that shows their net, mm -hmm. that goes in the worksheet too. Mm -hmm. And then if they're taking regular draws, that goes in the worksheet too. Yeah. And then if they're using the company credit card to pay for personal expenses, there's an argument that should go in the worksheet too. That's where it can get a little messy. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Paul Simon, folks, with Hedgepeth Heredia, Paul's a partner at that law firm. We could, there's a lot of different topics on this we could go into, but I want to switch gears here. When two people get married, they don't exactly have a refrigerator magnet with, along with plumber and housekeeper, what have you, that, and there's a number for a divorce attorney, right? <laughs> Family law attorney. Or I certainly hope not. <clears throat> I guess the question is when something like this unfortunate happens to someone, how did they go about selecting a good family law attorney? How do they make that judgment? What it's should a, they look for? It's very much personality driven, right? There is an idea that people will have when they're mad and they're angry and I want a bulldog and I want to burn it down. Okay. There are people out there for that. Mm -hmm. It's a personality fit. You meet with an attorney, have your consultation and if you decide there's a good personality fit there, great. Attorneys aren't going to give each person the same advice. It's going to differ from case to case. If you don't like what advice the attorney is giving you, even though the attorney is telling you what they think from their expertise, you can go meet with another attorney. But if you keep hearing the same thing over and over again, there's a chance these people know what they're talking about. Yeah, And so then it becomes 
a personality fit. Who do I think is going to best fit with what I'm trying to do and with my own personality? If you're someone like me who is very responsive to emails and that's something you're looking for, great. If you're someone who is, I don't, I only want to be filled in when I need to be filled in. I don't need to know about every little detail. Okay. There are people out there for you. Most people, we don't do a ton of, we don't do any like billboard advertising. You're never going to hear an ad for us on the radio because we are fortunate enough to have a good network of people who refer business to us. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of word of mouth. Most people, I think when they need an attorney, they'll reach out to someone who socializes with attorneys. Sure. You're probably that guy for some people. Yeah. And they'll be like, do you know anybody? Mm -hmm. So that's a main driver of things. And the best compliment that I ever get is when a former client refers someone to me mm. because yeah. that is an indication that I did a good job here. Mm -hmm. Even if the result wasn't exactly what we hoped it to be, because that happens. If they're referring somebody to me, that means that they like the way I did things. And that means that I did something right there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's extend that thought for a second then. I'd love it if you could share a success story. We're not going to mention names, obviously, but a success story, that uh, situation that helps illustrate the great work that you do. Yeah, I, I can't go into details, but what I can say is that I have had cases where we see people at their lowest. They've just found out that, for example, their spouse is cheating on them. And by the end of the process, they are strong. They are recovered. They are back to that person they were. And you can see that in them. And you can see how hopeful they are for the future. I've had cases where part of my practice is protective orders, right? From mm. violence. Yeah. Getting people out of a violent environment is incredibly rewarding. It's incredibly rewarding. Yeah. I've had circumstances where there have been children who, while maybe not subject to violence per se, have been in households that simply not suitable. And to get those children to a safe place is always very rewarding. In this practice, you see the entire spectrum of behavior, mm -hmm. good and bad. Sure. And over time, as you see things, you can recognize the patterns and you can set pretty definable goals. There are some things that I was mentioning earlier, the story, the stories that every family law attorney has where you just know that you've done objective good. Yeah. There are just some circumstances where you know immediately what the goal is and you do everything you can to achieve that goal. Mm -hmm. And I'm fortunate to have been involved in some cases where we've done a good thing. Yeah. That's terrific. <laughs> Something you said there made me think of another question. Sidebar, pardon the pun. You, what, what advice, based on what you've seen from your clients, 10 years worth of clients, that's a lot of clients, those that have made that recovery, those that have come back from a low, the low that divorce or circumstances of a divorce cause, what's the common theme? What Maybe the way to ask the question is give some advice yeah. to those that are going through a divorce on how to personally recover and help create that recovery, maybe with their children as well. There are resources available to 
assist someone in recovering their mental health, their emotional health. I know opinions may vary on the benefits of individual therapy. I will often recommend it to clients who Mm -hmm. are really suffering. Friends, family, be around people who bring you joy. Do the things that bring you joy. If your joy is getting out there, 8.30 shotgun start, playing a course, go out there and do it. Get Mm -hmm. really good. Practice a lot. It's an incredibly emotional experience. There, I know when I send an email to somebody, there's immediately a trigger, like that shock that goes up your spine. Mm-hmm. You see something that you're either expecting and scared of, or you weren't expecting to see. I get it. Yeah. Find something where you can have an outlet for stress. If you work out, go to the gym, do it. If you like to cook, mm-hmm. find something you love and lean into it. Great advice from Paul Simon, partner at Hedgepeth Heredia here in the Atlanta area. I assume you work in courts, number of different counties, and what that's the way it works in divorce family law by county. So I assume you work in all the major metro Atlanta counties. That's right. We're we're all over Fulton, DeKalb, Gwinnett, Cobb, Forsyth, Cherokee, Henry. I've been as far north as White County. Mm. I've been, I've got a case going on right now in Lowndes County. Wow. I've got a case going on right now in Muskogee County. You're putting miles on the car. Tell you what. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There you go, folks. Let's get to the most important question, which is for those that would like to be in touch, would like to learn more, maybe share the details of their situation with you. How can they do that? Happy to help. Thank you so much for having me on. Sure. Office number 404-846-7025. Email address psimon, P-S-I-M-O-N, at hhfamilylaw.com. You can check out our website. Just type in Hedgepetheredia or HH Family Law. We're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all those things you have to be on these days. I have my personal LinkedIn profile, Paul S. Simon, because you have to use your middle initial on LinkedIn if you Mm -hmm. want to look really professional. And I... It's corny, but I really do love helping people. And if I have the ability and the skills to do it, I'm going to do what I can to make that happen. We congratulate you for that, Paul. We're delighted to have you on to share your story and to uh, celebrate your work. So congratulations on that work. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you, Paul. We appreciate you. Hey, folks, just a a couple of uh, quick things before we let you go for today. I have a new book that just got released. It's for mainly aimed for solo and small professional services providers. It's called The Generosity Mindset, A Journey to Business Success by Raising Your Confidence, Value, and Prices. So if if positioning, pricing, business development, or issues you're having in your business, this book may be one that's helpful for you. Go to thegenerositymindset.com to learn more about the book and to purchase it if you're so interested. And I want to thank all of you that are listening to the sound of my voice today because all of you have supported us significantly over the years. And we're coming up on our eight-year anniversary here this May. And we've uh, show number, we're show number something like 742 or something like that. And to get to have that kind of track record 
only comes because of the support you receive. And we're blessed by that and blessed by your support. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. Continue to share the show. Continue to like us on social media. If you've heard something here today that makes you think, hey, I know someone that needs the services of Paul or really any of our shows. That's how we are a service to our guest and how you help them. And you also help us in that work. And you help us be the voice of business in the North Fulton region. So thank you for that. So for my guest, Paul Simon, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.